Welcome to The End Game, a podcast about the positive aspects of aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I'm your host, Don Auction. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get on with today's show. So welcome all to another meeting of the Council of Elders. Uh, Here with me are my fellow wise ones, essayist Susie Kaufman, poet Charles Ramelkamp, life coach Kit Cassingham, and yours truly as chief provocateur. Uh, Today we're going to talk about slow living. This is a trend that has been showing up in the social media quite a bit. Some think it's a reaction to our semi-isolation with COVID when, when we learned that a lot of what we were doing before COVID was really unnecessary at best or harmful at worst. Uh, so the idea of slow living is that it's a core lifestyle that encourages a slower approach to aspects of everyday life. Uh, another definition, it's, it's a mindset where you create, I'm sorry, you curate more meaningful conscious lifestyle in line with what you value most, uh, or in other words, uh, determining what you don't need and shedding it from your life. Uh, Susie, you said this was right in your wheelhouse. So I wonder what your initial take on it is. Well, I actually have mixed feelings about the whole project today, because on the one hand, I live that way. Naturally, I, uh, I limit the number of things that I do in the course of one day by choice and by design. It's not a big effort for me to um, shave down my commitments. That's the way I like it. Um, So that's fine. And I'm all in favor of that for people that flourish under that regimen. Uh, on the other hand, I really can't stand the word curate when it's not in a museum. And, <laughs> and the whole idea that, you know, all of these ways of being, which are spiritual states, are, have been co-opted by people doing marketing and turned into something that they're trying to sell the public. Uh, I, as I said, I did read two of the three pieces that you recommended, and I can't say I remember which one it was in, but there was one that said, I, I wrote this down because I thought it was so egregious. It said, get on the forest bathing bandwagon. I mean, really? Uh, so, so, you know, forest bathing is another way of saying being outdoors and the the fact that they have to kind of whip up enthusiasm and call it a bandwagon that you should get on, uh, is very hard for me, but I am in favor of slow. So that's where I stand. Kit, what's your thought? I was intrigued by your choice of topic for today because I have lived anything but a slow life for most of my life. Um, The joke around our house was when mom was on the go, she was in warp five. And we kids would joke and go, what was that? What was that? Oh, mom must be doing chores. Um, And you just couldn't see anything but her blur. 
And I realized a year ago that I had really adopted and unconsciously embraced that and was uptight when other people couldn't live and be as fast as I am. And so I started working on relaxing. And unlike Susie, yeah. I seem, I, everything interests me. So I pile my plate way too high most of the time. And I've consciously been working at decluttering, saying no to more, which is why I didn't get any of the articles read because I'm in such a slow mode right now. But <laughs> it's like, do something today. I think I'll sit and think about that a little longer. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a, so it's, it's a whole new way of living. And I'm sure I'm in that pendulum swing right now from being warp four, four and a half is never as good as my mother to warp zero, maybe zero and a half. Um, I guess zero and a half is about half, half warp. Um, but I expect to kind of come into more of an, I'll probably be a little more fast paced than Susie because I still like that. I just don't have to be as fast paced and I can absorb life. I intend to absorb life more intentionally and like relishing a, a fabulously cooked meal, morsel and bite at a time. Mm. Yeah, that, that is the part I think where I will not succeed uh, because I have tribal impulses in my DNA that say, when you see a plate of food in front of you, <laughs> put your face in it and don't come up until it's gone. <laughs> so, Some, Cause you don't know where the next one's well, coming and somebody, from. Yeah. Somebody may take it from you if you don't claim it. <laughs> yeah, that too. So but, uh, go ahead. Yeah. At, at the risk of sounding uh, like a not very nice person. Um, I Lately, I find that this, um, the notion of saying no to things has extended to saying no to people. I mean, entire people. So that I, I have found that I'm uh, editing my, my friends, not just on Facebook, but, mm. but in, in real life, you know, I just, um, I don't want that much incoming and so uh i i don't know whether that's uh a bad idea because then a time may come when i'll look around and there won't be anybody to talk to but that that's how i'm feeling at the moment i'm feeling like you know as a giant as as it is now a verb marie condoing of uh <laughs> of of my life you know Less is more. I can certainly see the temptation to to edit out of your life people that are more more trouble than they seem to be worth. Yeah. Or that just demand so much of you for not much return. So that that understand I understand that completely. And, and mm. Susie, are you um, calling out the people who weigh you down? Um, the people who only you only have shallow relationships with I mean, who are you keeping sort of, oh well i mean i do have people that i feel uh committed to for, for sure and family that i feel committed to 
Um, but as far as the reasons behind why I'm um, taking space from some of the other people, they fall into all of those categories. You know, some some of them just uh, there's there's inadequate reciprocity from from some people. Mm-hmm. And for other people, there's too much, you know, there's just (laughs) constant uh, need. Yeah. And I, you know, so. Boy, I'm all about that lack of reciprocity. I wanted to ask Kit a question too, when you're talking about speeding through things, do you feel even at the pace that you do them, that you're, you're giving all of them enough attention or do you feel like like you're you're going roughshod over stuff just to do more for the most part i believe i'm giving each thing full attention what it does though is it gets me wired up and i i don't feel like a tense person until i relax and i go oh hmm. mm-hmm. uh, and i've been looking for there was a, when i had this awareness that i had a taken on my mother's style and there's this impatience and etc i realized it that is what the speed of my life has given me is an impatience with myself and others and attention that starts in my brain and goes all the way down to my toes um so i believe the work i do gets full attention though just by virtue of being too much it probably doesn't get maybe careful enough attention if you if is there a difference between full attention and careful attention or lack of care i have no idea i was interested in what you just said kit about your mother's style because just before you said that i was asking the question inside my head how do people become fast moving like yourself or slow moving like me. I mean, how, how does that arise? I don't feel like I was brought up in a, in a contemplative environment, but somewhere along the line that became my, my heart's desire. And, um, you were raised apparently by someone who was very fast moving. I was. And interestingly, it was my parents who did, introduced me to meditation. Uh, Transcendental Meditation came to Boulder uh, in December of 71, and the three of us took the classes. And the three of mm. us responded to it really differently. I adopted meditation as predominantly a way of life and have meditated cons- fairly consistently since then. Um, my dad would meditate on the bus ride to and from Denver. And my mother would go into the bathroom to meditate. We didn't know that. So we'd go to the door and start talking to her. And the next thing we knew we'd pissed her off. And, um, and, and she just was just tense and uptight. It, it was as I was working on her memorial service and pulling together the photos, seeing that in college she was, involved and sometimes president i mean she was involved in like five or six top level things at a time editing the yearbook and doing the newspaper and president and chairman and 
and just always involved and just dashing from thing to thing. Um, so she got that early on as a way of life. And I don't, I, I guess she never felt the need to chill and change that. I, as a little girl, when she'd be de- doing errands downtown, she'd have me by the hand and I had to run to keep up with her. Uh, and, wow. she, and she just couldn't move slowly. Now, it sometimes is very handy to move quickly. Oh, there's a train coming out of the way. Um, I've never been run over by a train. So yeah. I know it's worked well. Good. But, but it's that tension that she had with her impatience about life in general that I don't like in myself. Hmm. I think the, uh, the, 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 I can't find the word. I think the bulk of the, the message that the articles I've read have suggested is that it's not so much our parental influences as it is the lifestyle that is presented in our culture, uh, where you have to meet deadlines and you have to produce and you have to do always more and more. And the workday gets extended longer and and you're you're pressed into doing just a lot more all well, the time. Well then let me continue on my thread that I have rejected that deadline thing. I mean, yeah, there are deadlines in life, but when I create a deadline for myself and my projects, I feel better when I set them further out. I might be able to accomplish it faster, but I don't like the tension it creates in me. So I don't do tight deadlines if I can help it. So are you saying, Don, that that um, we have a sort of a general cultural predisposition to running after things and, and you know, adding uh, more and more items to the list? Because uh, the reason that I ask that is that, again, the material that you suggested that we read, it was appalling to me to hear them say, or to read that they were saying, in our personal lives, we want to meditate, spend time in solitude, find space for contemplation, you know, spend time outdoors. This was all like a to-do list. Right. Again, again, like the like the uh, forest bathing mm-hmm. thing, you know, we've we've made everything into an item to be checked off. Right. Has your meditation been very productive? Right. right. <laughs> so that so that's, um, you know, goes goes way beyond deadlines that might be necessary for completing a job that you're getting paid for. I mean, that, you know, that's one thing. But people are constantly making demands on themselves in absolutely every area. And I'm not exactly sure how that happened. And now I understand the question. Yeah, that that seems counterproductive. What happened to unplug and see what happens? What happened to do nothing? You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is what I meant, but didn't come out that way. So, yes, Susie, why do we have to make our relaxing time 
a checklist collection. And, and I don't, I don't think they mean that actually. I'm, I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't think that's what they mean. I think it's more like, here's a list of, of options, things that might work. Um, choose one or choose three or choose none. Mm. Um, at least that's the way I read it. I, I certainly don't plan to follow a 10 point checklist on how to be slow. Yeah. It's, it's kind of counterintuitive. Uh, to take that to just one other level, uh, the, my first reaction to it, honestly, was if we're talking about doing less and taking your time, isn't that what retirement is all about? I mean, uh, that's what I thought. That's certainly the way I've been living it. <laughs> I think I think oftentimes people have no clue what to do with unstructured time. Their extra time. And in fact... Uh, Another thought that I had reading that material was that a certain amount of self-generated structure uh, I personally find useful. You know, what, and, but I mean, part of that could be taking a nap. You know, it's like I tend to want to close my eyes for 20 minutes after lunch, the way people have done since the beginning of time all over the Southern Hemisphere, right? Or the, the Mediterranean. And it's not, not even <laughs> Southern. Yeah, it's just in yeah. lots of places. Yeah. Yeah. So, Work, works so for me I too. think of that as sort of part of the, the structure of my day. And, um, and then, you know, I, I plug in, as I said at the beginning, usually two things that I might do in the daylight hours. Um, somebody wants to do something and it, and it's the third thing I have to say no. And what's, what's that about? Is that about your energy levels or is that about uh, doing, doing each of those things without feeling crowded or, or what? Well, I think there's, there's some energy issue but but more uh it's funny because if if you have a decreased energy you feel sluggish right, right. but i'm but i'm more likely to feel what kit was talking about which is um you know on on overdrive if too many people have too many expectations of what i'm going to do in a particular day uh, I have all kinds of noise in my head that I find very unpleasant. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the opposite of sluggish. Right. And so the, so, so the, the optimum is to find the, the, the middle way, as they say, that's, that's hard. I think it's one of the, uh, primary, um, you know, differences between people like people's attitude towards money is a, is a huge determining factor. You know, some people spend it very freely. Other people hang on to it, irrespective of whether they have any money. It's not about that, you know. Um, and I, I think time, as they say, is money. You know, time is also something that uh, people are very sort of attached to how they deal with it. And it's hard to get on somebody else's program. 
And to that point, Susie, my nine to five Monday through Friday friends, that, that's not that's not when they're my friends. That's when they work. Yeah. They have long criticized Randy and me saying, you guys need to take a break. You can't work all the time. Right. And my response is, oh, we work and play seven days a week. We might play all of you know, uh-huh. eight hours today, but we'll work two or three hours later in the day. We might take a whole day off to play, but then we have to kind of double up to make up for lost time. But our ideal is to spend a little bit of time each day in both camps. And well, it works for us. And surprise, it's our life we're living. So uh, that's what we're going to choose to do. The Monday to Friday, uh, eight to five, just didn't make sense. Why put life off to the evening and weekends? You can miss a lot of good stuff. That sounds great. Yeah. That, that so resonates with me, Kit, because I, I have created deadlines for myself because of this project I'm taking on. Um, but they're not such that it takes me 40 hours a week to do them. And mm. I have moments of fun where I just, you know, watch a movie on, on the computer or see, you know, a, a clip or something. And then I feel guilty that I'm not working all the time. It's just so ingrained. And maybe that's what the fast living is for me, is that pressure, that tension. And when I talk about slow, it's taking it step at a time and, and looking at the waves or the birds, the butterflies. Oh, look, the spring leaves are coming out on the trees. And when I can go slowly, I can see that stuff. And to me, Susie, that's what, would you call it a forest bath? To me, that I, I call it my awe walk. Um, that I can see those subtle little changes in the world. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This afternoon after I had posted this very distressed piece about Ukraine and uh, heard from any number of people who were, um, you know, had a lot of feeling about it and so on. I was just sitting in the living room and mind you, there's snow on the ground, you know, in Massachusetts, not, not, <laughs> it, you know, it, it, it was a perfectly okay day. The sun was shining. It was mm. probably 35 degrees, you know, which I know is sounds cold, but isn't, isn't cold for March in the Berkshires. But um, all of a sudden I looked out the window and there were, dozens of robins and they and they were flitting like around it. on the snow i don't know that i had ever seen that before it was kind of like they were they were in a hurry you know for spring to come and and they didn't want to wait around anymore so that was a beautiful uh experience i i guess for me that is what it's a, another word for yeah what you, what your expressing leads me to another thought and that is whether this slow living is maybe just another word for mindfulness Uh, i totally relate to that yeah except more than 20 minutes on the cushion uh mindfulness throughout your day and 20 minutes on a cushion is fine as long as you don't string three dozen of them together (laughs) Yeah. Oh, did I hit a nerve, Don? 
<laughs> no, no, I didn't think I did. No, I I restrict myself to to a meditation on the cushion, and then the rest of my meditations are um, horizontal meditations. Those are good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mean um, that? Do you mean that literally? You mean that you you have a meditation practice that takes place lying down? No, I mean I'm taking a nap. You're taking a nap. No, because people do that. And I, w I wasn't sure yeah. whether you would be, whether it was a metaphor or whatever. No, yeah. no, I just, I'd have to nap. <laughs> well, so yeah. Don, I, I'm, I've never been a walking meditator. Oh, it's wonderful. But, well, when I was on the Camino and didn't have time to sit and do my morning meditation, I would, I took the sweet little mala with me and I would use it to keep me on track with my mantra as I would walk mm. and I was surprised that I actually noticed more of the world when I was doing that. Interesting. Lovely. So I was walking in a, for Kit, a slow pace and doing my meditation and observing whatever part of Spain I was in. And it was really lovely. Mm. My question is, should we, we recommend slow living for everyone? Should we recommend it for everyone except Kit? Um, is it only <laughs> for certain kinds of people? I mean, I think, Susie, you would you can make the case that it's very useful in your life. Um, yeah, yeah, but I can't imagine, you know, being all-knowing and all-powerful and saying to somebody else, <laughs> You should live this way or live that way. I, I, I can't imagine that. I really think this, as I was saying before about people's attitude towards time, people's attitude towards money, people's attitude towards work, these are very deep characterological tendencies and differences between people. And... Uh, I, I just, I, I don't know how anyone could make a sweeping recommendation. Right. And I'm with Susie on saying, I don't want to, don't want to subscribe, tell anybody else how to live their life. But it also depends on how do you define slow. If it is take each moment in a more appreciative manner, whether the slow moment is for work for food, for play, for doing nothing. Yeah. Um, so I liked the mindfulness synonym that, we're, that we kind of came up with earlier. Uh, and for that, I'd say, yeah, I think, I think many more people would benefit by adopting that. I think the world would be a better place if more people adopted that. That's certainly true. But mindfulness is not always, um, you know, fun and games, right? If you're, Absolutely. If, if right. you're being mindful of your experience off the cushion throughout the day, uh, odds are you're going to run into aspects of what you're going through that are going to be uncomfortable. And, you know, so people have to be, willing to engage with that. And, and I don't think of mindfulness as a, a, a blissful, a, a, it's not totally a blissful place to be. It is, it's, it's a, 
It's a mindset. Mindset seems to be my favorite word these days. And, and so you can be mindful in serious situations, intense situations. You can be mindful of the of all the uncomfortable and comfortable feelings you're having. You have to feel your feelings. Exactly. Exactly. Charles, I, I heard you starting to make a comment. Well, the proof seems to be in the pudding when you look at uh, the places they cited, like Icaria, Greece, Sardinia, Italy, Okinawa, people living. I mean, if you want to live longer, if that's the, the test of of this, um, you know, the efficacy of, of, of slow living. Be, but are they happy? I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, to say. My sense is that people in the blue zones are very happy. Yes. Well, and that leads me to, to another question along those lines. Um, if, in fact, we have extra years of life to look forward to, or at least our children do, if not us, uh, wouldn't slow living be a, a pretty appropriate response to longevity? Yes. Um, Mark Hyman shares the story, and I may have shared it with you before, of when he was in um, Greece, in one of the, I can't remember the name of the island that's in the blue zones. Um, it begins with an S, but anyway, he talked to the 95 year old goat herder who had retired five years earlier because um, he just couldn't walk so much in the door, that, as much anymore. So he was down to walking five miles a day instead of the 10 miles a day that his. 70-year-old son walks herding, herding the goats. And I thought, how lovely. <laughs> you have a, a career for a long time at a slow pace. And couldn't we all benefit, whether we're computer programmers, podcasters, or goat herders, in doing mm -hmm. it at a, a more graceful pace, more mindfully? I see a bumper sticker. Be more like a goat herder. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. I'll race you to the printer, Don. You can have that one. If you're if you're if you live so, you know, deliberately, whether then interruptions into your routine can. I mean, I find that when I have to to do something like well today, for instance, which I screwed up royally, um, that it kind of adds a little bit of not anxiety but but anxiety i guess and i'm wondering if that's because you know before i retired you know all of these things were pretty routine or maybe my anxiety was routine i'm not sure i, I don't mm. I, I think i'm a slow liver i really do think i am part of the crowd and you felt like you were a slow liver when when you were working full-time too no, i think i think it's since I retired, I've really adopted that lifestyle, I think, pretty much. It seems to me that I, you know, I, I, I'm the Zen master chopping wood, it seems to me, although I, it's, you know, not, you know, met metaphorically chopping the wood. I, I live a pretty simple life, I think, and I, mm. and I think it's, it's good for me. I think I do live that in, in my own fashion. And I'm wondering if it is retirement or what, but. I think we forget how recent in human history all of this rushing around is. 
I mean, it's really, it's really a blip. Before that, I mean, people worked very hard. People who were not in the, you know, upper echelons, they worked very hard, but they didn't rush around. And they didn't have all that pressure. And they didn't have all those um, expectations of themselves. Well, I was going to say, you know, I, I told you that people grumble that Randy and I work and play all the time. We need to chill and take a break. Our way of taking a break is different. But I think back to all that I know of like the 16, 1700s, where you have the people who are running their homesteads. They're taking care of the chickens, pigs, horses, cows, whatever. The garden, uh, cooking, cleaning. And the women will sit around shucking peas or beans together or doing needlework, which is still doing chores, but they do it in social situation. They do it slowly and easily. It may be the mother teaching the daughter how to do something. And I don't know what the guys did at night. Sorry, but um, I, I just have this vision of people always working but slowly and in community, not always in community, but that was part of it. Wouldn't that be a good definition of slow living? Mm. Mm. That, I mean, the communal piece feels really important to me uh, when I immediately flashed on, you know, whole floors of office buildings divided into cubicles and I could, I could feel my body tense up just imagining that. Um, we've done terrible things to ourselves in the, in, in the name of, of uh, productivity, I guess, mm -hmm. in the name of profit. No, yeah, I was just thinking, uh, the, what that made me think of is when I worked in a cubicle farm that... Uh, I mean, I'm wearing masks, I, even though the mask mandates have, have ended here. I think I'm going to continue to take them into grocery stores and so on. But uh, I remember the the communal aspect of, of the cubicles. And sometimes it was good. Sometimes, you know, people were, there was a sense of camaraderie there. They could be. And then sometimes there were, you know, rivalries that would go on. But somehow that, yeah, that cubicle farm atmosphere was just, I think, ultimately not, not, healthy at least for me <laughs> yeah and i didn't really think about communal disease or communicable disease uh, actually working so effectively in a cubicle farm but i guess it would yeah i liked i liked a lot what one of the articles pointed out that slow was an acronym i mean it's obviously also a word but that it's an acronym for sustainable local organic whole, whole with a W. And just uh, saying that makes me feel better. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, our, and I, I agree. So do you know about slow cooking? Oh, for sure. In fact, the article said that the whole slow living movement, which apparently is uh, far reaching, originated in slow cook slow food yeah right it, it was a it was a reaction against a mcdonald's yeah. in italy 
And, <laughs> and the Italians said, no, wait a minute. They're outraged, right? Let's let's go back to slow food. Yeah. And that's that started a movement which then extended into slow life. Um, but that you're right, that's exactly where it originated. Well, I, I was introduced to slow food um, from a woman who lived in Ridgeway when we first moved there. And she said, oh, I'm making some slow cookies. <laughs> and they'd been in the, quotes oven for 24 hours, and she thought they'd be in for another 12. And I'm going, that's taking slow a little far. <laughs> I'll just take the dough if you don't mind. Forget the cooking part then. <laughs> So, you know, so how far do we go? And I guess that's where we started, Susie. How far do we go in defining what slow means? I mean, 36 hours to make cookies seems crazy. Yeah, well, there's always going to be people that... I don't think it's about that at all. I don't think it's about how long it takes to do something. I think it's more yeah. about where we were at a few minutes ago when we were talking about mindfulness and the di the difference between, you know, making a beautiful soup uh, and, you know, getting McDonald's takeout. Well, McDonald's soup, yeah. God help us. No, they... <laughs> you know, they do have McWine in Austria no, and other parts no, of Europe. No. See, they keep the slow going. Even at McDonald's. <laughs> so, Susie, I agree. I think that slow does pertain to, to the mindfulness. Are, well, and, and like water for chocolate, um, putting your love into the whatever you're doing. It takes a little longer mm -hmm. to create things from your heart with your heart. And hands-on. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Charles, since you missed a few rounds, I'm going to give you a chance to add anything else that is on your mind on this topic. I guess I one thing that caught my mind, I don't know if anybody's talked about it, was that six waters of glass, glasses of water a day and a glass or two of red wine a day. And <laughs> I wondered if uh, all that is part of the, the blue zone drinking formula was... Uh, caught anybody else's attention on that in greece in greece it is i don't drink red wine in japan too much yeah 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 i i have no fault with that it seems to me like a really nice way to go <laughs> <laughs> you don't mean that literally I was just going to say, Susie, or to, or to stay. Really? All right. To, okay. stay, to stay a little longer. Okay. I'll go for that then. Thank to you. To nicely through the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that uh, in a different uh, Zoom right. group that I was, that I'm in, well, the, 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 uh, well with Nancy Sugar was talking about um, about people living in, in that blue zone. Icar Icar is it Icaria, Greece? Or Icaria? But it seems to be something. Yes, Acaria, Greece, and Sar Sardinia, Italy. Ta da I came up with the SI place. Yes, Acaria. Yeah, and it seemed, uh, yeah, those lifestyle in these places, it seems like I I always wanted to live in, in a place like that, and I never have. I'm, you know, 70 years old, so I, I'd mm -hmm. probably be moving to an island. But it, in my fantasy, that's a lifestyle. 
What is it that attracts you to that, Charles? I think the the it is seems it the two hour meals with the red wine. Yeah, yeah, and the inherent lack of stress. I think it seems that that not having to constantly be going to to try to accomplish something, which is my that's my picture of of how life would be that you would just you know be doing what you needed to do, you know, like the Zen master chopping wood. Um, of course, you know, we live in a, living in Baltimore is, is a different kettle of fish from living, you know, on the beach. So I guess you have to adjust to all of that. Does it have to be different? Well, I think the challenge... I mean, is it really different or is it just the perception? You may be right about that, but I'm thinking that, that life is there. To get around Baltimore, you have to sort of figure things out how you're going to get to point A to B. And I'm thinking that on that beach, that I'm not quite so concerned about that. But that may just be, you know, part of the idealization of that blue zone. Well, let, let's talk about that. So do you take, do you drive, take a bus, take a train? How do you get around Baltimore? Yeah, uh, walk a lot and drive. No, the public transportation isn't really that. Okay. But I don't really go a lot of places. So if you're walking, you know it's going to take 30 minutes to get from point A to point B. So you leave 40, 40 45 minutes ahead of time and go at your leisure. And same with driving. I generally drive when I want to go someplace and accomplish something. Walking is sort of for its own sake to, you know, be moving. And well, do you drive a lot, Kit, or no? Where I live, yes, I do because I live in the country. Uh, I have to drive twenty minutes before I can go go anywhere or do anything. So unless I'm just walking the countryside, I have to drive to get somewhere. That was you. You mentioned uh, walking meditation earlier, Kit, and and the one of the main points about walking meditation is that it's not for the purpose of getting from one place to another place, and and when you do that, it really changes your experience of walking. That it's it's not goal oriented. Though when I first learned to, when I first applied it was when I was on the Camino. Yeah. And I still was going from point A to point B. And, I, you know, I still had to get to Santiago by day 35. Yeah. Um, but it still gave me more presence of mind. Mm. It's lovely. I love it. I want to thank everyone for taking part today. It's been another interesting discussion. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, The Endgame, at theendgame.substack.com. I'm Don Auction, wishing you all the best in aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I hope you'll join us for future programs here at The Endgame.